I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today, this has been a guest that I personally have wanted to have onto this podcast for a long time, but we needed to wait for the time to be right. And we did. And we, we got her. We struck gold. In person. And it was pretty freaking awesome. Yes. And the person we are speaking of is Allison Roman. And Allison Roman is just like, if you know her, you're obsessed. You probably have a picture of her tattooed on your body somewhere. If you don't know who Allison Roman is, you probably don't cook that much. And that's okay because things can change after you listen to this podcast. Yeah. And she's, I was thinking about this. She's kind of. Can you be kind of a unicorn? I think you either have to be a unicorn or you're not a unicorn. And when I say she's a unicorn, she's a semicorn. She's a she's a, a wait. Do unicorns have one horn? So yeah, <laughs> oh, baby. unicorn. <laughs> but do they have one anywhere else? It's just one, just, just one just hidden one, just in one. the rainbow tail. But anyway, the, before we it's go really down, for protection purposes. Before we go down that rabbit hole, the reason I think she's kind of a unicorn <laughs> is that. I don't know of anyone else in the food world who doesn't have a restaurant, isn't a chef. But she's more of like that in between, like she's just like mm-hmm. a recipe maker. And I, a lot of the cookbooks we have, they're from folks who have they a have restaurant a TV somewhere. Show they or, have a TV show, yeah. show. But like Allison kind of created this own little world of just badass recipe making that has launched her into cult status within the food world. And I just don't know a ton of people who took that path to get where they are. She kind of carved a new she, path. She is a trailblazer. She is a uni, unicorn blazer. A unique unicorn, as opposed to one of those ubiquitous unicorns. Unique New York. Unique New York. She's the queen of- Pick a point and send it. Of viral recipes, too. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, again, you've heard of it or you haven't, but she had that viral recipe, the stew, which is not, I mean, it's not like she called it the stew. We would just like to point out that her ego is not at that level. It was a a chickpea coconut- um, turmeric stew and it's freaking awesome and it's easy and it's delicious and we've just wondered what what makes something what makes a recipe viral, viral? because our first viral recipe were the shortbread salted shortbread ch- ch- yeah cookies. it's like if a chocolate chip cookie made out well probably you know bounce with a shortbread cookie so they, they, they didn't just make out no, there would probably need to to be some some uh, bodily sugar fluids. Uh, I'm gonna stop. No, <laughs> but you're right. It was more than a makeout session between a chocolate chip cookie and like shortbread. Baby, you want a piece of my chocolate chip? This well, listen. This is a this is for kids. Is this a rated? This Dude. podcast is for children, and I don't think Earmaps. that I don't think people want to picture a chocolate chip cookie having sex Just with a shortbread cookies. cookies. Like, rubbing oh, up actually, on each other. do we? <laughs> This is actually the best thing I've pictured Are in a we, long oh, time. Are we on to the next viral thing? Cookie yeah. porn. Cookie porn. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, th- this is really getting far off topic, but people do read like dinosaur porn. I what? mean, so cookie, yes. Wait, baby, how do you know that? Because Jezebel did this how amazing- How do you know that? Okay, this is, this is between, this is, is for this us. Is this why we love Jurassic Park? <laughs> Have you been hiding this from me? Listen, uh, this now does sound weird that I know this, but <laughs> you know that thing I always say, say, say where I'm like- um, okay, you know what? I, <laughs> I know this because Jezebel, which is a website, did this amazing post on this woman who was making a lot of money writing dinosaur erotica. 
And it was like, look, y'all, this is a niche market or niche. And like, if you want to get in on this, you can get in on this. And like, so I only read the post about the dinosaur mm. erotica and porn. And you know when you I guys, say- You guys, I'm going to open up her laptop and there's going to be bookmarks and it's going to be a thing. Okay. You know when I say you do you, those people? Yes. That is from this Jezebel article, which is a little thing between me and you that the listeners can just- From know, the dino porn one or just in general? Okay. Let's get back to Allison. <laughs> okay. But my my point is is that cookie porn. Allison, have you ever had an intro like this ever in your entire life? I enjoyed talking to Allison Roman <laughs> because she says what she thinks, and she like she'll tell you you know if if anyone has her book Nothing Fancy or Dining In, she doesn't skimp on olive oil or coconut milk. She likes to bring the big flavors mm-hmm. and. If people come to her and like, can I use half of the oil? And I would never have been one of those people. But if they, if people do, right. she's like, y'all, I tested this recipe. This is how I think it tastes best. If, if you want to go dietify it, don't come talking to me when your shit don't taste as good. Right. And that's she's essentially what so she said. so unapologetic. And I think going into the interview, and this is that weird thing where uh, we had met Allison once before at a party and, I don't know, spent like five to ten minutes with her and she was lovely. But this weird concept of when there's, you know, a celebrity, it's someone that you watch from afar and you feel like you know them because you cook their recipes and you bring them into your home and it's personal and occasionally <laughs> you pretend that they're unicorn and you ride them around. Um <laughs> But in actuality, you don't know who they are. And I kind of, you know, I've read a lot of interviews with her and watched videos. And she is very adamant about kind of her way or the highway. And that can be open to interpretation. At least it was for me where sometimes I'm like, hell yeah, she's recipe tested this and she knows what's up. But then as someone who cooks at home and I tweak things all the time, I'm like, well, it's okay to like talk about stuff and not make, especially if you're coming from uh, like a specific adjustment that is necessary for your body type when you're cooking. This interview is great because she gives so much about her background starting in college and being like, college isn't for me, which I appreciate her saying because I think a lot of people felt like that, but then they stuck it out or they might be in that moment now. And she talks about just knowing that her path was different and and that wasn't the place for her. And then just jumping in and, and cooking for chefs and like just in, in restaurants and just knocking on doors and then how she just got through those periods to, to where she is now, which is really like setting the tastes for millions she's of Americans. She's setting the table. She is tastes. setting. I said taste, setting the people's table. tastes. And I said, she's setting the table. I think we should, uh, we should move. We should pivot now to the Allison interview. I, I think we've probably been on our own long enough. Um, we are like small children, but this interview is live. It is live from Blue Bicycle Bookshop in downtown Charleston. So when you hear the, you know, the throngs of people in the background screaming, shouting, um, I mean, there it was thousands of people. I mean, just prepare, prepare. And I will uh, put on the show notes, which we don't have, I will put a link to the uh, dinosaur erotica Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel article. Did that turn you on, baby? All right, let's uh, go to go to Allison. It did. <laughs> We have Allison Roman Woo! sitting Woo! next to us. Come on, we can do it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the live podcast And that experience. is not canned. We are live in Charleston, South Carolina, coming from Blue Bicycle Books, um, who is partnering with us for this season with all of our authors. Um, and we are very excited to have Allison Roman here in the flesh. We've been pursuing her we have. for... <laughs> 
a long time. It's been a long game. It's, it's yeah, been a long really game. Been a long game. And we won. And so for listeners at home, if you don't know who Alison Roman is, well, let me just tell you a little <laughs> something. Uh, this woman is amazing. She's a columnist for the New York Times cooking section, not segment, section, yeah. and is also the author of two wildly successful books, Dining In, and also the newest and the greatest the nothing fancy. Yep. Um, so Allison, this is a topic that Kate and I love to talk about on our podcast all the time is this idea of success. Mm. And at least from, you know, watching your Instagram page and seeing you on like the Today Show and this and that, and you were just in the cut and you were wearing Gucci and you looked amazing. <laughs> Um, it's really easy from an outsider standpoint to just think, wow, she's living the dream right now. Yeah. And you, are, are you number one New York Times bestseller? It was number two. Oh, number right two. the pioneer woman was like, womp womp <laughs> for me. But for hey. me, like, those are two such wildly different audiences that I, that is basically number yes. one. Just add more yes. better next time. Because, yeah. So what it, with the level of success that you're experiencing, is it, are you happier now? Because I, I we often find that the more successful we get in moments, the more stressed out we get. And I'm just, yeah. I'm, what is the journey like for you? Um, I definitely feel more fulfilled than I ever have. Like that was not something that I expected or even experienced after the first book. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also like the older you get, the more you kind of realize that nothing is going to be what you thought it was going to be. And when Dining In came out or right before it came out, I was like, this is going to be everybody's favorite book and it's going to change my life immediately and, and all this stuff and it's going to win all the awards. And like, not only was it not everybody's favorite book, it didn't win any, it wasn't even nominated for an award. <laughs> like, my life didn't really change in that sudden way and I very quickly learned that I wasn't going to be for everybody. And I think just that experience in of itself, which wasn't devastating for me at all, was actually just really comforting into going into every other project. I'm just being like, cool, I can now move through every other book or project that I do with the understanding and confidence that I won't be for everyone. Like once you already have that, you're kind of like, wow. It's, it, it's okay now. The anxiety of, of that not being the case is yeah. like totally relieved. So, but I would say like I, in terms of like my day to day, I, right now is a weird time because I'm in between a bunch of stuff and like the come down from releasing Nothing Fancy was really intense. I went on a two month long book tour. That was the most intense two months of my life. I will never do that again. Mm -hmm. um, I came back and it was the holidays. So it was like two, like preparation for book tour, going into book tour, going into the holiday and I woke up and it was like January 1st and I was like, what just happened? And you're like, writing what your was column yeah. at so the same time. I took a slight sabbatical for, cause I did this big Thanksgiving package that I had filed oh, before we know. I left we for made a lots of dishes from that. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I had to file that in September so I wouldn't have to write while I was on Ooh. tour and like do all this stuff and then like map out what weeks I was going to take off. And they were really supportive of me kind of bowing out for a minute. And they're like, well, yeah, that Thanksgiving package will give us a lot of fuel for a few weeks and you can kind of, you know, not worry about disappearing. Um, but there is like that pressure to kind of always be doing something. Yeah. And it's like, if I go dark for a week, they call it, the, they call it going dark. I'm like, guys, I just didn't publish a column. I'm still here. Like yeah. plenty of stuff in the archives, <laughs> like literally hundreds of recipes. Um, no one's going to be hungry right. tonight. I assure you, <laughs> um, we will live again. Um, but it, it, you know, was, was like a, I just kind of like felt like I woke up out of, out of like a really foggy place. So it wasn't even a question of being like, I feel successful or I feel satisfied. I was just like, what just happened? What happens now? Because I'm not launching into like that next book immediately. And so it Good. feels, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it feels weird. But all in all, like I, for the first time in my life, probably ever, I feel like if this is as successful as I ever get, 
then I would be really happy with that. Yeah. I, I definitely want more. I have like more stuff yeah, planned, yeah. but yeah. but like genuinely, I feel like I feel very fulfilled and like grateful that I get to do the work that I get to do. Yeah. So. For those of us who were introduced to you with like the salted shortbread cookies, mm-hmm. which was I think about two years ago, um, th- this Three, is the viral yeah, cookie 2017, recipe. Twenty seventeen, twenty seventeen, a thousand years ago. The cookie, well, yeah, the, cookie. the cookies. Well, will you just take us through some of your background and your background yeah. in food and and how you even you know got to that moment? Yeah, it was um, a very long and like winding and nonlinear path. I, the long and short of it is I. Went away to college, was like, this isn't for me. And my parents knew that. They're like, you don't really want to go to college. You want to go to college because your friends are going to college. And I was like, I read books. I love to learn. (laughs) Of course I want to go to college. But, like, I was already reading. I was already writing. I was, like, doing all this stuff. And they're like, you've never talked about going to college before, even when we brought it up. And I was like, well, now I want to go all of a sudden. So I went very briefly and – yeah, I left very – I left like a year and a half into it, but it's because I had started reading all these cookbooks and I was cooking for myself at home. Cooking for myself at home means I was like making um, like fried rice and I – like chicken stock. Hey, which is fancy. Yeah, which is fancy. Which was like, you know, I tried to Anything do – Anything of a Hot Pocket at that age is like – Thank you. Yeah, fancy. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I still can't eat fried rice to this day because it reminds me of the time in my life where I ate it every night for yeah. three years. Um <laughs> Same thing with purple Gatorade. When I was sick once, I drank it oh. a lot, and now I can't do it. Um, not that anyone would want to drink that. Doesn't even exist. Purple Gatorade. I don't well, know. Depends. There's, there's, there's the glacier frost. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, it was like a whole. As like a former niche, basketball player, we can get into this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like a niche line of Gatorade. Anyway, um, so I decided that I was going to try to go to culinary school instead of go to college because I thought, okay, I can leave college and I can always come back to college. Like. You know, like I was like, people go back to school at like 40. Like if this doesn't work out, I can always go back to school. And I truly believed that. I still believe it. It's still an option. Um, But I was going to go to culinary school. I went – I had been eating at this restaurant a lot with my boyfriend at the time. And we – his like parents paid for it. We were too poor to (laughs) pay for anything. And and his parents were like, you want to go to dinner? Okay. And I was like, this is weird. Um, (laughs) We're the youngest people in here by 30 years, but okay. And so we became friendly with the with the chef in the kitchen and got to know some people on staff. And um, well, he did really. I was I was too shy to to, to do that. But um, one day I became not shy and decided I was going to go like literally knock on the back door of the restaurant and ask for advice and a job. And mm-hmm. I was like, can I speak with Chef David, please? <laughs> and they were like, uh, he's not here, but the pastry chef is here if you want to talk to him. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so I spoke to him. I introduced myself. I was like, I'm a big fan of this restaurant. I love the food you guys make. I'm going to go to culinary school. And I was hoping that you would give me a job while I'm in school just to have income and to like learn simultaneously. And he's like, okay, but... I would say don't go to culinary school. He's like, I'll save you the 45 grand or the however much, and I will pay you $7 an hour to, like, cut, you know, a marshmallow into a square and in a windowless room, (laughs) which I did. And I was so excited by this idea that I I said yes. And I I decided to move back from Santa Cruz, where I was going to school in California, and move back home to L.A., where I'm from, and start working for him. And I kind of just – thought that if it didn't work out, I would know immediately. And that's kind of like, I feel like everything in my life, even still to this day, like, I feel like I know immediately. I'm like, this, this ain't it. But I was like, this is it. And I cried every day 
I remember because I lived in an apartment walking distance from the restaurant. And I remember one specific call with my mom. She's like, so do you like it? Like, what what is it like? Like, at this time, this was like a very bizarre time to be a chef. And it was way – this was 15, 16 years ago at this point. So definitely before Instagram and before iPhones. Imagine. Yes. What a world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, before – this was, like, when chefs were really sort of very hot. And, like, Food and Wine Best New Chef, James Beard right. Awards, like – Everybody really cared and paid attention to that and wanted to, like, be in with chef culture. Like, Top Chef had just come out. Like, it was a very chefy time. But it was sort of, like, on the precipice of that happening. So when I told my parents that I was going to go work at a restaurant, they were like, you're going to do what? Like, you're going to not go to college to go chop onions in a kitchen or something? And I was yeah. like, well, no. Like, I, because I kind of immediately thought of food as something that was more fulfilling than that. It wasn't like labor. It was something that I enjoyed. It felt like I was creating something. I was learning. I was engaging my brain. I was like emotionally tied to it almost immediately, like being in a restaurant. And so I kind of, I fell in love with it and I was so bad at it at first. I, I ruined so many things. I cost them probably so much money, <laughs> but they kept me on and they kept me on because I really wanted to be there. And I think they could tell that I really gave a shit and they were like, well, you can't teach someone to give a shit. So yeah. Wait, are you say you said chef, you said David, are, are you David Chang? No, 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 no. I, like, I did you start at Mama Fuku? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I did work there later in New wow, York. you but just knocked on the door and you're like, Dave, what's up? I was <laughs> like, uh, Mr. <laughs> Chang, if, if I may. Uh, no, but it was, it was like a, it was like the James Beard, best new chef, like, you know, 20, wow. like 15 seat tasting menu restaurant that was like all the rage in LA at the time. It's like now a gentleman's club. It has since yeah. not been a restaurant. <laughs> but um, it was like a really high end, like fine dining restaurant. But the chef had had a style for hiring people that was like, he took in people that had never worked in a restaurant before pretty regularly. I got the sense. Like he was sort of the guy to be like, oh, are you interesting and artistic and a really hard worker and dedicated and going to like give your all to this restaurant? Then I want you working for me. I can teach you how to do anything in the kitchen, but but that I'm looking for. Right. And how, so working, I feel like working in a restaurant versus working at Bon App or mm -hmm. writing these columns are such different worlds because yeah. you have stylists and you have chefs and there's all these different, I, I was trying to, I was talking with our producer, producer Lindsay of oh. F&B Rodeo who knows all the food and Bev stuff and I was trying to formulate my words, which sometimes it's just hard to formulate words. words are hard. Yeah. Where in the culinary world, you have, um, you know, superstar, sh or mm -hmm. if you even want to call them, sh uh, who am I going to offend? Uh, you know, you've got like <laughs> Bobby Flay, and you've yeah. got the the big uh, pioneer woman. Damn you, number one. Damn you. You know, <laughs> those kind of people who are like the big flashy celebs, mm -hmm. and then you have, I don't know, the the Kristen Kishes, you know, mm -hmm. and the like really fine trained chefs who are like a little more behind the scenes and creating those really artistic cookbooks. And, mm -hmm. and I'm just curious as you were growing up in this world, did you see where you wanted to fit in? Like, did you aspire to be on the food network or were you, no. always, you just seem so off the beaten path and I love that about oh, you. Thanks. You're extremely rugged over here. Um, <laughs> I mean that in a uh, sexy way. That's a oh, sexy I took it that way. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I feel like I knew well, when I started working in restaurants, like the idea of being a home cook was so not interesting to me. I was like, well, I'm a professional chef and I work in a restaurant and like, yeah. that's cool. You're a home cook, whatever. And like now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like home cook. Um, no, but I, I think that I needed all that experience. And I was also really young and like, you know, whatever, and had a bad attitude about it. But also the, the landscape had changed so much because home cook books at that time were 
really earnest and, and they still are. And they were really kind of vanilla and not that interesting. And, you know, I hadn't been exposed to the ones that do currently exist that are from many, many years ago that are interesting and brilliant. And, you know, I had, I, I just wasn't, no one had showed them to me. I didn't know where to look. And so I just assumed that if I was going to get into food, it was going to be through like the chef path. Um, my parents grew up cooking, but we ne they never referenced cookbooks. That was not something that they had around. So it, what, I didn't know to, that that was even an option. I was like, well, if I'm, I'm into food, so I'm going to work in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It didn't even occur to me that like one day I would even write a book or like be an advocate for people cooking at home. Um, I think pretty early on in my life in restaurants, which spanned, I think almost, it was like six or seven years-ish, um, towards the end of it, I became very, very certain that I never wanted to open my own restaurant. And I also never wanted to work for another chef again. So that left me with very few options. <laughs> um, so I moved to New York. Um, that, yeah, I was like, well, I'll, I'm going to move to New York and see what happens. I was supposed to move for three months. Sorry, I, I moved from L.A. I worked in San Francisco for four years. I worked at a restaurant called Quince and then this other restaurant that has also closed. That was also like kind of a club. It was weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was my first job there. I just needed a job. Um, <laughs> that's a through line in my life, too. I'm yeah. like, I'm not afraid to like just take a job. I'm like, I'll take a job. Whatever. Like, that. get me paid. Get me something semi-stable and then I'll focus on the bigger picture of the long game at a different time. I, I couldn't afford to not work. I didn't have any outside help. I didn't have any financial assistance. I basically told my parents that I was leaving home and like, see you never. It wasn't like an estrangement situation, but it was like, I can do it. I'm an, and they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> I was like, I'll show you. I don't know what I was showing anyone. Um, but just that I think that that sort of I'm leaving college to like pursue this thing and I'm going to take this job and I'm going to use that money. I'm going to pay my rent at my studio apartment and buy my own furniture and, you know, really support myself from a really young age was really important to me. And um, that continued on forever. And it it resulted in a lot of really challenging times for me. But I never once thought that I shouldn't be in food. Mm -hmm. I never once was like I should have gotten to something a lot more lucrative. <laughs> So I don't know. I feel like the the decision to choose two of like maybe the not highest paying careers, like, yes. oh, you want to be like a cook and a writer? Like I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're really fulfilling to me. And and I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't, I never wished that I had taken a different path just to be more financially stable. But I forgot why what we were talking about. I do yeah. that all the time. <laughs> oh, it was about either. chefs and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, tr I pulled Classic. the thread back. But so a little bit about the food itself. Mm -hmm. Um because you know, I I come from more just strictly writing background. I don't have any food experience except eating Catherine's food when she mm -hmm. cooks it. Um, but I imagine that you know when you look at a when I look at a sentence and I'm like something is wrong with that sentence. Mm -hmm. And then as you write more and more, you can start more quickly knowing what's wrong with the sentence. Is it is that does that relate to you? And it's like you take a bite of something and you're like something's missing. Oh yeah. And so and what is that process like in your in your mind as you're creating a recipe? And when you know something's missing, like, how, will you take us through that process? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple and I wish I had like a more elegant answer, but honestly, the, the way that my crazy testing process is like if I, and this is at a restaurant or in my own kitchen or whatever, but if I eat something and I don't want to eat more of it, <laughs> that's even, so true. Like actually. I'm like, eh. yeah. or if I'm hungry and I eat it and I'm like, I'm just unfulfilled. Have you ever been really, really hungry and you eat something like the most, the 
the most clear example I could think of is sometimes if I'm at, say, an airport or like a place that's not like a restaurant that I want to be at, but I need to eat food, you order something that you don't, your heart's really not in it, yeah. but you order it because you need to eat and you eat it. And afterwards you're like, I'm somehow more hungry. And that was yeah. really depressing. And now I'm upset. And that was, a that was yep. just not good. I don't like yeah. ever let it get that bad, <laughs> but, yeah. but I do think that there's something to be said that if I can't take a bite of something that I've made and be like, damn, that is so delicious. Like that hits every, everything for me. Like it has like the texture that I want. It has the saltiness that I want. It has like the right acidity. It has it feels like I could eat an entire bowl of it or a plate of it and never get sick of it. And then I want it again the next day. That to me is the sign. And it's just myself in the kitchen. And, you know, occasionally I have people over and that, you know, if I'm testing especially bigger stories or something like that. And that's always a really great indication of like what plate is gone first and what people give me feedback on. Um, and so I do have outside commentary occasionally, but more often than not, it's just me and I have to use my own sort of, you know, compass of like, is that as good as it could possibly be? Yeah. I try not to read comments like on any platform because they are bad for your soul. Oh God, yeah. Um, but there was one one woman who was like, there is so much cheese in this mac and cheese recipe, but it's also so delicious. So I guess it's fine. And I was like, lady, I'm not out here yeah. just like throwing Wait. extra cheese in there for fun, for my health. <laughs> I'm doing it because I know that with less cheese, it's not as good. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. So like... I need people to know that I've taken the road, like the cheesy, the, so the less cheesy road, yeah. but it's not good or worth your time. You perfect it. You, you used as little cheese as possible to make it as tasty as it could be. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I've I've taken it to the limit. Or I'm as like, much cheese as possible. Yeah. Or occasionally, I'm like, how much point. butter can I fit into this cake? Like, <laughs> okay. did I cross a line? Like, I'll find out for you. And... <laughs> You know, I think that there's there's so many people that that develop recipes and and so many cookbook authors, and I think that people have been burned. People have been burned by recipes that don't work. People have been burned yeah. by bad recommendations, and like I just want to like scream from the rooftops, like you guys, like I've cooked all this stuff so many times, and I've had every question you have, and I can answer it, and I can tell you why I didn't do it that yeah. way, and I can also tell you what it would be like if you added twice the whatever, yeah. and like. Don't do it, or you know. But I yeah. love that you kind of throw attitude at people when they come at you. No, it's something I really like about her. Is mm. I remember I was I don't know what I was watching you on in a loving and nurturing way. No, it was yeah. super respectful, very maternal, and yeah. she owned it. But it was something about the stew. Oh yeah, and you were this just is like, the chickpea stew that went viral. The, the viral stew, yeah. and yeah. people were like, you know, should I use light coconut milk or full coconut milk, or what if I do half? The, and you were just like, look, motherfuckers, like <laughs> you use full I fat coconut yeah. milk. Yeah, I mean. And it was just so awesome that you were like, this is Or don't ask. Or just do it. And then if it's not as good, I'm so sorry. But yeah. I'm not sorry. Because that's not <laughs> how I wrote it. Exactly. And I also feel like I get really edgy around people that try to, like, dietify my recipes. Because mm. I'm a person who wholeheartedly and unabashedly endorses full fat everything, who cooks with a lot of olive oil. I don't eat that much meat. I use a lot of vegetables. I like whole grains. But I am absolutely going to ask you to put sour cream on them. Like, I am absolutely going to ask you to use more olive oil than you think. And your food's going to be really delicious and not bad for you just because it's olive oil. And I think that I I wish people were less afraid of that part of cooking. Um, and like I'm not a nutritionist, it's, I'm not a dietitian, but in, like as someone who, um, <laughs> but I play one. On yeah. the <laughs> but I think it's still an after effect of the whole like snack well generation. Absolutely, yeah. where yeah. 
many of us, I mean, if you Low grew up in culture. the 90s, is like it just so many years of being like, I can't add fat to things. And mm-hmm. I still, like, sometimes Catherine will be making something and I'll see the olive oil bottle. <laughs> and I want, work through this. And I'm like, and she's still pouring yeah. it? Where it's like, just don't watch. It. Yeah. Don't watch. Yeah. Yeah. But then I've come around to realize that, like, this is flawed programming that I received. Yeah. And, like, how do you and feel then, afterwards? Yeah. And I'm how much like, of it are you actually knows. eating? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, like, pay attention. Like, how do you feel? Like, how, like, what? I don't know. I feel like the, the looking at a recipe and reading that and being like, two cans of coconut milk. Well, I never. I'm right. like, yeah. listen, I'm not asking you to drink two cans of coconut <laughs> milk. That serves six people. That's yeah. about like a third of a cup cooked out. Like, you yeah, know, just, we can all, you know. Also, if you ever go to a restaurant, you see what they're putting in your food? Oh, yeah. you don't want, yeah. No, but then you don't have to see. And that's yeah. the whole trick I'm being it. transparent. I'm yeah. saying <laughs> I could tell you to use three tablespoons of olive oil. And I've thought about this a lot in my recipe writing process in the early days when I was reading the comments. And they're like, a whole third of a cup, which is six tablespoons. And I was thinking, yeah, you could do it with half that. And it won't be as good. And then you'll cook it and be like, this is dry. Yeah. So, like, what are my options here? Are people going to, like, cook something and be really stoked and be appalled at the amount of olive oil that I'm asking you to use? Are they going to cook something because I'm trying to appease them and they're going to be disappointed with the result and then they're never going to cook anything I make again? Guys, it's a rock and a hard place. What am I supposed to do here? Are there any recipes in your book where you feel like you did have to reach some middle ground or are those all like I'm going full fat I'm going or were there any where you're like well I know some people are going to want to cook healthier so I'm going to put some of these in. Oh yeah, I mean all the time I'll like be like, oh, you could add feta to this. It would be delicious because as often as somebody says, I'm lactose intolerant, I can't eat feta, can I do this without? Someone else will say, would that be good with feta? So my approach has then been to be like, this would be good with feta. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then then you'll be like, cool, I'm into that. Or you're like, no thanks, not for me. Or I'll say like, (laughs) two ounces of feta, parentheses, optional. And that way you know that there's no pressure. And, you know, I really, there's like, People love an option, and yeah. and I want to give that option. And so I think that's when I get frustrated. When I get frustrated is when I don't give you the option, and you still ask me for the option. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we'll just we'll do whatever you want. Then don't listen to me. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you what to do, and you're ignoring me. Is this what it's like to be a parent? I don't know. <laughs> like I've told you what I thought. So speaking of options, and this is like can get a little sticky. Mm. Um, so. For the longest time when I was writing recipes and trying to be like more part of the food and bev world when I really thought that's where I wanted to move in my career, um, I've been on and off again vegetarian my entire life. And when I was trying to get more involved with the food and bev world, I was like, I got to eat meat because I don't want to be that girl who's like not cool and can't hang with the food and bed people and, and not eat the meat because I'm going to be that difficult person when everybody's eating sliders at little Jackson, I'm that difficult person who's not eating meat. <laughs> and so for the longest time, I, I kind of put off being who I wanted to be with mm-hmm. how I ate because I was legit trying to, yeah. to fit in. And now we are actually on our year anniversary of <laughs> being vegetarian. That's right. Kate joined right. on. But so my question is, because a lot of times when there are modifications in recipes, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be taking out fish or something. Or like, I know you love anchovies. And I agree, yeah. they are umami and they're genius. And and I don't want to be that difficult person who's like, I know you love anchovies, but I can't eat them. What can I do? I Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just curious, what do you... Th- because you said you don't eat a lot of meat. Like, what do you think the animal products role is in the food and bev world? And how do you see it moving um, forward? It's funny. We were talking about this at our thoughtful lunch today. Mm, okay. uh, we had a thoughtful lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Um, it that was, was the conceit behind yeah, the event. It was. It yes. was actual it was conceit. Yeah. Um, more on that later. No. Um, <laughs> I... I, I think that uh, the way that I particularly like to cook and eat, I'm an omnivore. I eat everything. Um, the bulk of my diet is vegetables that and dairy. I love both of those things in equal measure. I cannot get enough. I yeah. genuinely, genuinely love like really well-roasted broccoli as much as I love a steak. And yeah. sometimes I really want a steak and like broccoli's not going to cut it, you know? And I think that Everything in moderation in terms of especially like meat intake is important, not just, you know, again, not a dietitian, not a um, nutritionist, but for our bodies. But, you know, environmentally, I think that it's really hard to ignore the impact that that has on everything going on. So, I mean, my opinion in in terms of like meat and stuff is that if you're going to eat it, it should come from a great place. It should probably be more expensive than you want it to be, and you mm-hmm. won't eat it that often. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's the thing you do once every three months to treat yourself or, like, have a special occasion, then I think that's lovely. And I think that you should celebrate it and cook it really well, put a lot of good salt on it. Um, Maldon forever. And, like, do that – have that experience and not deprive yourself of it. But it doesn't – I think that we're definitely moving away from the idea that we need meat with every meal. Mm. Um, it doesn't need to be the basis of our dinners. Um, people – I think that the reason I've never called myself like I someone's like oh you cook a lot of ve- you make a lot of vegetarian recipes and I would, I would never call them that even if they were vegan I don't call them that because I think that you kind of restrict people's idea of what food is when you label it as anything totally. like this is this type of food this is vegan this is vegetarian and I also think that oftentimes people are trying to vegan make make vegan food or vegetarian food for health and Sometimes by health, I mean, I think it's for their aesthetic. Like I think that they're trying to look better and like they're very concerned with their fitness and their appearance and they cut a lot of foods out for that reason. Some people do it for health. Some people do it for environment. Some people do it for taste, whatever. But in my like basic market research, I, I feel like especially, and it comes from a lot of women, it comes from a lot of young women and they're like, oh, like I want to make your sauce, but like I don't eat carbs anymore. I'm going to make it with zoodles. And I'm like... Good luck. I have no doubt that tastes like. tastes the same. I'll literally never be able to tell you what that tastes like. And no shade to people that are like, I truly can't eat pasta. Like I have, I have friends with celiac that are like, they're like, they're like, don't make fun of me. I'm like, I'm not making fun of you. But maybe that's not the recipe for you. Yeah, but she's also like, I will get down. Like I don't know. There's there's like a absence of love of food when you start restricting yourself. And I think that Mm. part of the reason I am doing what I'm doing and like what it, it applies to everything in my life is that I have like a genuine like very earnest very real love um for like the messiness and enjoyment aspect of food like it feels like Dionysian or something like it, I don't know there's like something really extravagant about it and it's it's nice and it brings you joy and I don't know I feel like yeah. as soon as you start it goes back to the like airport food thing where you're like when you eat something because you know you have to and you're like well now I'm sad Mediocre yeah. food that could have been so, so much fun, worse and that wasn't fun food. at all. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Catherine's philosophy is mediocre food is worse than bad food. It is. I yeah. I, I go to a dark place. Me too. Oh, it's really bad. Yeah, it's yeah. so bad. Yeah. Oh, Under I like cried food, in restaurants. Like, yeah. Oh my god, I'm an absolute baby. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I put Maldon in my purse. Oh yeah, I've flown with it. They love <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. very good salt. Speaking of joy and food, um, there uh, Baba San Canon is a. Great little bar. I heard it's great. I tried yeah. to go there before. I didn't have time, yeah. but, I don't, but I'm busy. And um, they have they they have these like overnight oats that have like apple and cinnamon in them. And both 
when Catherine and I took a bite of it, we were both like, oh my God, it's like our childhood when you would microwave yeah, that's the my little favorite packets. oatmeal. oatmeal. Of all time. Yeah. yeah, apple and cinnamon oatmeal. And like yeah. they recreated it in like a beautiful, you know, great ingredient kind of way. And I like, I just love it when there's something from your childhood mm-hmm. that you eat and you're like, oh my God, this is like, like we went to a, a restaurant in New Orleans and it tasted like cinnamon toast crunch, you know, the dessert did. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Do, do you, like, is that an evolution? <laughs> Do you have any of those recipes or like things that you ate as a kid that you like dream of recreating or? Um, there's that's, certain that's things put you on the that spot like, question. no, I, um, I have like a, a vague, vaguely, um, it's, I'm calling it a Passover inspired Passover menu, um, for the New York Times cause it's not, a, it's a secular Passover. It's not traditional. Um, but there's a lot of foods in it. Like there's a matzo ball soup that I have been chasing my whole life. It was from this diner called Solly's, um, mm. in LA and they also closed. Everything closes. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, but it was a really specific taste and like memory that I had tried really hard to recreate. What, what could you articulate what the difference in flavor? Um, I hadn't was? had it for so long. I, there's yeah. no way for me to like AB test that one, but it was more just, does it hit the pleasure center in the same way? Like, yeah. Am I so excited to eat this matzo ball? Yeah. The answer was yes, I was. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to share that with you all. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that it comes in a lot of the recipes, but honestly, there's so many of them and that some of them come from a memory or like a place or a thing that I have never even had. Like I, mm-hmm. there's things that I've dreamed of having that I haven't ever tasted. I'm like, that sounds really good. And I try to make it and see if it kind of matches. And then sometimes you're inspired by something at a restaurant or you see in a book, rarely books for me anymore, just because I haven't, I have a harder time sitting down with books these days and especially cookbooks. Um, it's just like a time management thing. Um, and sometimes it's like looking in your pantry and being like, what am I hungry for right now? Like, what's the weather outside right now? What is my body craving? What am I, you know, I haven't had a vegetable in three days, so I want something vegetarian. I want something really green. I want something, but also really creamy because it's really cold outside. Stuff like that. Like that train of thought. I think that if I looked at every recipe I've ever done, some are probably a lot more arbitrary than anyone wants to hear. And some are a lot more like specific and, and earnest and real and have a story behind them. But, you know, I think that, I'm sure you've heard people get fatigued of being like, there's like people on the internet that's like, does every recipe have to have a story? Like, can't I just get to the recipe? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel that way too. I'm like, I just want to get to the recipe or I don't actually have anything to tell you. Oh, but your words yeah. are so good. Oh. You're very funny. Thank you. I, and the, the Russian <laughs> bath dumpling yeah, story so recently. That's, that's, a, that's like a, a I was thing there that with I had you. and I was yeah, like, I, I want to eat bath. that. How do I do Russian that bath. differently? I mean, they're they're great baths. So <laughs> people are like, I had friends text me being like, "Yo, tell me where that bath is." I was like, "No, I said I wasn't going to tell anyone. I don't want anyone going there." Like, um, but yeah, so I think that it it all happens all different ways. But I I always feel a little guilty that you know people are like, "Oh, did you grow up with like a Nona in the kitchen and your parents cooking every Sunday?" And, I, and I'm like, "Not really." You know, yeah. like there's no deep associated childhood memories with the food that I'm making now. I think that I was lucky enough to grow up in a household uh, where my parents valued food, but we would cook at home. We would cook fish. We would grill meat. My dad would make sausage. We'd also order pizza. We'd also order takeout. We would go to restaurants. Like we kind of did the whole thing. Um, We had leftovers for dinner a lot. Like it was pretty average. No like romantic story there. 
Um, I'm going to kick Kate off of her seat for a second because oh, yeah. producer yes. Lindsay, um, it, it just, we, it would be in poor taste. We have the host of F&B as our producer and uh, this lady oh. knows her food and we have to have her and ask you at least one question. Laundry. Oh, oh my God. Never and have I ever. <laughs> Fancy. Hi everyone. Hi. I'm Lindsay. <laughs> Hi, Allison. Hi, Hi, Catherine. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much for letting me do this guest spot. I'm very excited. <laughs> Make it good. Um, <laughs> so the name Nothing Fancy for me denotes something like very simplified, very broken down. But if you look at your trajectory and how you've learned to cook, you had to really get a ton of technique. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what's deceiving about something that's quote unquote simple is those are the hardest things to cook. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're like an amateur who's never cooked anything in your life, you're going to like make something... And just be like, oh, just let me throw it off the cuff. Nothing fancy. It's going to be bad, probably. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're going to be like, wow, this is really terrible. So when I think about like all of the technique and things that you have learned, like, do you feel like there was an arc where you got so complicated and so technique driven that you were like, I just want to start like stripping away. Like once you got your like muscles. Yeah, absolutely. And was that when you wanted to leave restaurants? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Cause like you felt like, okay, I, like yeah. this is stupid now. Yeah, absolutely. I had, oh, I pretty much exclusively worked in like fine dining restaurants that were like, it was a, good question. It was a great question. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much guys. I feel really supported. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're, that was good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, I, it was really a challenge for me to learn all those things, like to learn the technique, to like learn the best way to make this, to learn why that makes the best pie crust and why you can't do it the other way, why your ice cream does need to rest for 24 hours, why this and the other. I needed to understand all the information on, on the hows and the whys of why everything was so complicated because that I was the most annoying person in the kitchen constantly where they'd be like, tell me to do something. And I'd be like, well, why? Yeah. I'm like, why? And I would need someone to explain it to me because otherwise, why was I going to do it? And sometimes there wouldn't be an answer. Or sometimes I would say, well, what if we just did it that way instead? Or wouldn't that give us the same result in half the time? Or started asking these questions and trying to figure out, you know, a more efficient way. Maybe I was short on time. Maybe I was feeling lazy. Maybe I was like, that seems more complicated than it has to be. Mm -hmm. And like, just because that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean that's the way we should still be doing it. That's like anything. It's like government. Like, just because that's the way we've always done it doesn't mean that's the way we should still be doing it. Um, But, (laughs) sorry. um, But yeah, and, and so asking those questions and understanding everything as a whole allowed me to then figure out what was important to me and then strip everything down. And I've noticed that the, that, I feel like I feel this way at restaurants most heavily because I'm not obviously not sampling like home cooks food through across the country, but <laughs> you're not. <laughs> that would be fun, but um, maybe one day home tour. Yeah, um, but like going into a restaurant where there's like a hot new chef and like they're they're it's their first job and the thing and like they're gonna show you everything they got and you get to the restaurant and you order a thing and the menu has like 18 words on it for one dish mm. and it comes to the plate or to the table. And it's like a sauce with a thing and then like four other things on top of it and then like a sprinkle of something and then like another thing on it. And you're like, what the hell is on this plate, first of all? And it's like, well, that's fermented and that's dehydrated and that's pureed and like that's cured and that's fried. And then we all did this and then we put it on the plate and now you're gonna- And you're like, well, that's cool that you know how to do all that stuff. I'm very proud of you. But that is not making for the best experience for me as a diner. Totally. And I feel like it takes a really mature person and cook and writer. The same thing happens with writing is that you you take one thing away. You mm-hmm. you let like the simplicity of something well done speak for itself, like a really nice ingredient. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel really boring because I think, okay, like a piece of blanched like broccolini with a ton of lemon and salt can't be better. Like 
I could make a sauce for it or like right. do a thing in a seedy sprinkle or something. But like <laughs> for who? Like that's not how I prefer to eat it. And I think that like owning that is really powerful and being okay with that is really nice. It is because I think that so many people do overcomplicate it. And then sort of the needle went the other way where I'm like, I don't really know how much more excited I can get about crudo. Like, and I love crudo, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of a sudden it, it goes everywhere and people like just, they start like imitating one another. And now that mm -hmm. social media has like really exploded, I get really, it's hard to like maintain something that is yours. So I love the boldness of being like, this is the stew. So everyone fuck off because <laughs> I don't ever want to tell anyone to fuck off. By <laughs> well, I said those are my words. It's okay. That's those not my for the record. Record. We support that. That's just, but not your that. outfit's falling off. <laughs> but falling yes. Apart. But it's, I've been dressed before. It's just tough to like to make anything that people don't immediately like snap up and like kind of repackage and, and do on their own. And is there some point where you just have to like let that go and not not try to hold on to like, you know, like this is mine. Yeah, I struggle with that, honestly. I think that will come with my maturity, which I'm waiting for any day. <laughs> um, I think that that is a sign of insecurity, which I have, for mm, sure. sure. I think if I were a lot more secure and a lot more confident, I would not be worried if people were copying me. Right. But I honestly, I, I do get like bristly about like, that's my thing. Or like, I did that and dining in and like 2017. And people are like, you're old, it's 2020. Um <laughs> But like you have to let go and you have to trust that people are going to see through people that are not original and that mm -hmm. that kind of content or or whatever can't last. And I think that happens in music. It happens in movies. It happens in books. It happens in any form where everything is accessible. You can read how to do or how to be anything or anyone. But like unless it comes from like an actual authentic place, mm -hmm. I think you won't have much of a lifespan. Totally. Like I try when I was started doing food stuff like food writing when I was at Bon Appetit I was like I'm gonna write like articles and like prof I'm gonna like go to a thing and report on a thing and I was so bad at it <laughs> but I felt like I needed to do it in order to like have a well-rounded career and like be everything to everyone and and I felt like I was almost trying to like emulate someone a version of myself that didn't really exist and I was like this is bad this yeah. is bad and I I gotta I gotta say no thank you to that and that instinct. Um, or say thank you to the instinct and decide to focus on what I'm actually good at, which is making recipes. And um, it wasn't the other stuff. And I think that that's okay. I think it's hard to, in the moment, I, I'm totally like you, where I want to be the mature person who, if someone's mimicking what I've mm -hmm. done, that'll be like, oh, that means that I must be doing something right. Right. And instead I'm like, back on off. Yeah. But <laughs> so clearly that means if people are doing this, you're on the top of your game and people, they, that means they want to be you. It means that they, yes. they want to be in the position of power that you have right now. So that just makes us kind of wonder, like when people look at you, what do you want them to see? Mm. And do That's you care? <laughs> like, and deep down, do you care? Cause I feel like it's nice to pretend like you don't care what other people who you don't know think of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm but, a strong Libra rising. I definitely care what people think of me. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I really, I feel very people pleasy. I think that inherently like anyone who does like that is in food and especially like there's an element of pleasing, pleasing people. Sure. You want to take care of them. There's like a nurturing, there's a aspect, there's, um, you're taking care of people. You want to please them. You're, I don't know. It's like very, to me, a very clear line, um, to draw. But I think that 
And and I worry about this a lot. I'm, I worry that like when people meet me in real life or when I like do these podcasts and I'm feeling really comfortable and I'm like, oh my God, do I sound like an asshole? Did I say the wrong thing? Am I being too myself? Um, should I soften the edges? Because that's something that like my editor definitely does in this book sometimes. <laughs> she'll like highlight, she'll be like, mm, too much. <laughs> I'm like, I see that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, too much. That's too much. Um, but I have never been the kind of person to censor myself. And I've always been the most myself or Love tried that. to be. And that, again, is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And, like, it's really especially tough on social media because anyone who's anyone wants to weigh in. And there's people that, you know, enjoy the recipes but maybe not enjoy my personality. And so mm. that can be a struggle when they give me that feedback. <laughs> Thank you so much for that feedback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is it's, – it's tough. It's weird. It's a weird fine line, and I, I don't know what the answer is yet. I respect that. No. All right, we want to make sure we leave time for everyone to get their book signed. But and the most uh, important most question, obviously. I know that we, we did reference the, the salted shortbread cookies. Oh, yes. So obviously it's free cookies, so we like to find out the guest's favorite cookie. But So those are off the table. Those can't be your favorite cookie. Is okay, it? So that's fair. What is your favorite cookie? I'm assuming it's oatmeal raisin. <laughs> She's, she's pretty. I know. Ooh, it's so is that your favorite yeah, cookie? No. Yeah. no. No, thank you. No raisins for this girl. I have a, I have a strict yeah, no but, raisin but policy. The people who love oatmeal and oatmeal raisin cookies, and there are going to be a few out there. <laughs> At least one of you Listen, in this room. Yeah. Like, we're used to being torn down. We're right, used right, to right. being. It's hard out so there. So it's like, I get it's it. fine. Yeah. Like, this is a typical reaction to me. You haven't seen it. the light yet. You've built up the yeah, armor. You can take it on. Yeah. You're good. Yep. Um, God, my favorite cookie. Is a wafer cookie count? I feel like that's a total cop out. I mean, it's, like it's unusual. Yeah, but is it really a unusual? <laughs> I like to yeah. judge people's cookie choices. By a the wafer way. cookie with a um, cream on the inside, or just like straight up? Yeah, no, 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 no with the cream inside. Okay, okay, okay the cream inside. Yeah. Got it. I, I also, I also love a thin mint. Yes, Ooh, thin mint is good. Frozen, <laughs> yeah. fro- frozen thin mint. Crowd pleaser. Yes, frozen thin mint. Yes, frozen. So, can you create a recipe for like a like a thin like recreate a thin mint? Or is, I, it, or is, is it, it just buy some thin mints? Is it perfect? <laughs> yeah, I think they're pretty perfect. I, oh. There's a there's like a very funny archive video. Um, you got to do some deep googling um, from when I was at BA. But I made this woman, Erin McKenna, who owns Baby Cakes, the vegan bakery okay. in New York and LA. Yeah. She makes a vegan thin mint. We made one. We made them together, and they oh. were delicious. They're okay. really really good. I don't know. I think they may also be gluten free. Okay. But that was the only time I ever like made a thin mint. Okay. And they were really good. Okay. So frozen thin mints. All yeah. All. There's another. Co- yeah. I'm trying to think of. Oh, you know, I love like a Mexican wedding cookie. Yes. Like a pulverone or like a... A nice any, crumbly... Yeah, like, like a sugar, walnut. Sugar, powdery, powdered yeah. sugar, buttermilk, yeah. Right. Acceptable. Yeah. I'm also like not a sweets person. So mm-hmm. like to answer that question, I don't have my... Right. I'm like, um... It's okay. I would yeah. take Maldon over a cookie. Just yeah. Maldon. I would take yeah. French fries. I'll be good. Yeah. 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 I, feel, I feel you. All right. All right. Allison, Allison Roman. Yay, thank you. Thank you. We thank love you for coming. Thank you. That was Allison. That was. And for those of you who are pumped about Allison Roman and you want a copy of either Dining In or Nothing Fancy, if you go to our Instagram handle or if you go to at the Inky Phoenix Instagram handle, we have a link up in both of the bios. And if you order through Blue Bicycle Books through that link, 
we are selling signed copies of her newest. And you know, I said dining in, I lied. It's just signed copies of Nothing Fancy. It's the new one. And so if you jump on it, once you listen to this. Jump on it. Jump on it. We've got like get, get 50 m- copies. Yeah. And if you use the code free cookies, you will get 10% off of her Woo-hoo! cookbook. And our Instagram handle is free cookies podcast. It is. It's at free cookies podcast or the book club is at the inky Phoenix. So you can join either one of those. If you want a book club, join us there. If you love our podcast, you can support us on patreon.com. It's patreon.com forward slash free cookies podcast. This show is produced by Lindsay Collins of FNB Radio. Please check out her podcast. Please do. And if you're enjoying this, we would love if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you're really, really loving it, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so it makes it easier for other listeners to find us. And I have not read any of the dinosaur porn. I haven't. You do you, those people. You do you, those people. I will I will send out a link, though, to the... Just the informative article about the uh, dinosaur erotica. I'm going to go put on my um, alligator print zip up. All right. All right. Peace out. Bye.